Happy holidays. Oh, great. Of course, the dogs are going <laughs> to. They're joining in from the kitchen. <laughs> I don't know why they are barking. Because you pressed record. They said we're on. Yep. <laughs> Showtime. <laughs> Let me put Christmas music back on in the kitchen for them in that case. Unless my sister-in-law is here. I get paranoid because like, what if I'm, I start watching something weird and the fucking speakers in the kitchen are like... What? Attached. Because I can like um, do airdrop or whatever from my phone to the kitchen speaker. Oh. So I'll play music for the dogs sometimes, but then I... I'm like, what if I forget that I'm playing music and I start watching something weird and they all fucking hear what I'm watching? <laughs> you just start watching porn. <laughs> oh, Lord. It was my mic. Everybody, get back in position. We're starting. My mic starts sliding. Okay. We're back. And we're back. And we're back again. Happy holidays, everybody. It's coming up around the corner. I'm wondering if anyone got the hint that I posted of Miss Martha Stewart in her Christmas spirit and all her glory. Anyone? So, um, <laughs> nope, I guess they didn't. I know, I'm like waiting and it's like, hello, fly. So, um, so we are actually covering the Lacey Peterson scott peterson case and it's been a whirlwind journey i actually used the a and e special that is on hulu and there are six episodes i'm halfway through i took notes on every single episode it's pretty much going to play out like a play-by-play of the docuseries so if that's not what you're interested in then i'm sorry but that's what i'm uh using and this is going to be a discussion-based kind of um, two-parter, maybe even three parts, considering that there have been some new findings and some new things happening with the trial and how he uh, got taken off death row. Did you hear about that? that <gasps> I did just not. This year. Yeah, that was just this year. And in a way, I'm kind of glad because I'll get into this a little bit later because it seems like people think this docuseries is very biased in terms of like defending Scott or like using it as a way to explain away um, what people found wrong with his behavior during the whole case and things like that. Mm -hmm. So people who are completely against Scott are completely against this docuseries. So if that's any of you guys, I'm sorry, but I'm trying to find as many facts as I can to back up what the docuseries is saying. I mean, it's pretty much a trial by media situation again, where people hated him the minute they saw him and they just thought he did it, you know? Yeah. So without further ado, we are going to jump in. The docuseries, what I liked about it is it jumped right into the day of and broke it down from there and then continued on as time went on with her missing. So that's how kind of how this is going to go. For some reason, there was not very much on just her early life and only on Wikipedia. So that's what I used for this beginning part. I just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about a, a Lacey Peterson. She was so pretty and so young and everybody loved her. The first thing you notice about her when you see her photos is her smile and how her eyes are just so bright with like joy. Mm-hmm. So it's very sad the way that the case worked out and everything. So anyway, Lacey Denise Rocha was born on May 4th, 1975. Her parents are Sharon and Dennis Rocha. 
He owned a dairy farm west of um, Escalon, California, and I believe she was born in Modesto. So that's kind of her hometown. And she has an older brother. He was born in 1971. His name is Brent. They are just such a good looking family. They just look so wholesome and very close. You'll see a lot of interviews and they miss her a lot and they talk about her so dearly every single time. There's never any doubt that this family like was very loving. Sharon and Dennis actually got divorced. They were high school sweethearts, but they got divorced pretty early on whenever the kids were pretty young. And Lacey and Brent would actually visit his farm on the weekends. But Sharon and the kids moved back to Modesto. And like I said, they would visit their dad on the weekends. Lacey had been working on the farm uh, a part-time since she was like really young. But she also loved gardening with her mom, which ended up coming into her college career. Sharon married a man named Ron Gretzky. And Dennis also remarried. And he got a stepson named Nathan and another daughter named Amy. Like I said, Lacey loved gardening and she ended up going to Cal Poly where she majored in ornamental horticulture. She sometimes visited a friend who worked at the Morro Bay restaurant that was called the Pacific Cafe. And there is where she saw Scott. And instantly you could tell that sparks flew and it was kind of like a love at first sight thing is what people describe it as because she was just like smitten with him. And she was such a confident young woman. She had been a cheerleader in school she was like very well liked and she sent his num- her number to him. So she made the first move. And then soon after that, they started dating. And that's when I'll, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. We can always jump back to her early life and stuff. But I just wanted to get some information on where she came from and that kind of thing. Okay. So now we are going to where the docuseries begins. So on December 24th, In 2002, according to Scott, the sequence of events are as follows. Lacey was up before him. She had cereal for breakfast because she was pregnant and she got morning sickness. Um, Scott was up around 8 and they watched Martha Stewart. So that's where my little post comes Mm -hmm. in. She mentioned she was going to finish cleaning up. She was mopping the kitchen floor and then she was going to take the dog for a walk. He had changed his mind about going golfing at the club because it was too cold. So instead, he was going to take the boat out and do some fishing. My goodness. The chili flakes. (laughs) I can't breathe. The caffeine. (laughs) This always happens (laughs) to you. Okay. So between 920 and 940, he greets a neighbor who is walking And uh, while he's unloading, or he's like loading umbrellas into the back of his truck is what the neighbor said as she was walking by. I guess she was like doing her little morning walk. Um, He leaves and heads to his warehouse, which is three miles from the home. And from 1030 to 1056, he was at his computer at the warehouse checking emails and doing research on tools. He hooks the boat up and heads to Berkeley Marina, which is north of Oakland. Uh, Meanwhile, a neighbor, Karen Servas saw Mackenzie, which is the family dog, outside of the home around 1018. So at this point, um, Scott is gone, uh, but not yet at the warehouse, I guess. And that's the, the, the timing comes in again later. So as I said, this is the sequence according to Scott, but they break down witness sightings and things like that later on. So so around 1018, she sees the dog outside. And what was odd to her was that the dog was leashed and alone. 
So the neighbor, the neighbor uh, put him in the backyard and then continued about her day. Okay, so this is a very important detail, and I'll try not to stop so often while giving this information, but this is a big one, so we can kind of discuss, um, did that neighbor feel weird about that? Like, people don't usually leave leashes on their dogs unless they are with them, so Fawn just fell off the bed. What is going on? (laughs) (laughs) She's the dog, where? (laughs) So, (laughs) she said leash, walking. Um... A nightmare. Anyway, okay, so maybe she should have, like, checked in, knocked on the door, or, like, I don't know, but it might have helped the investigation speed along from that point if she had said something, like, hey, I rang the doorbell, don't know where the wa- the person who was walking this dog is, and they know, apparently, they know, since they saw the dog in that yard and they knew where the dog belonged, I- I'm guessing they know who lives there and everything, so. yeah. What do you think? Do you think, like, what would you have done if you looked across the street and you noticed, like, your neighbor's dog in the front without a leash on or with the leash on and nobody around? Well, I think it just depends on how well you know your neighbor because if it was, I don't like talk to any of my, or I, I guess I only talk to like one of my neighbors, but like any of the other ones, I, there's fucking stray dogs all over the place. So I probably wouldn't have thought Mm. about it. But like if being in that lady's position, I probably, especially because it was such a, uh, what the fuck is the word I'm looking for? It was such a, unusual. like the neighborhood was so, Oh, but it's yes. suburban, I guess. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> and everyone exactly. kind of, I mean, and for the most part, in those kind of areas, people are a little bit more like aware of what's going on. But if I would have lived in that area and I would have, and I would have seen that dog more than one time in that yard, and I would have been like, okay, that doesn't normally happen, I would yeah. have gone to check to see if everything was okay. Right. I would have at right. least made sure that the dog was going to be okay. Like, I wouldn't have. Oh, yeah. If you knew where the dog went, you know, belonged. I would have at least grabbed the dog and knocked at the door and been like, your dog is out here without anyone. That's what I thought, too. Like, just in case. Like, okay, maybe they didn't know the dog's out here. Yeah, like maybe the dog got out of somewhere or something. (laughs) My mom is always like a don't get involved kind of person. Her her reasoning is always like, what if you put the dog back there and, like, the owner is dead in the backyard and, like, now it makes it look like you – did it or like you know what happened or like what if they're getting robbed and like you get involved and they get you too and I'm like mom what the heck okay but your mom has a good (laughs) reason since she hello she opened the door for somebody that was getting like shot at by their husband so she got involved too see I mean she did and I mean she that's probably what she bases everything else on now She's just afraid. Um, good point. Good point. Um, okay, so you would put the dog. You would try to see who's home and be like, okay, here's your dog. But if they weren't home, you would just probably put them in the backyard. So I probably would have just kept the dog until they got home. Honestly. Okay. Okay. Good call. That that way you don't like interfere, but the dog is safe. Yes. Yeah. Pop. And I would probably just make sure, like, or just keep checking to see if anybody was there. Right. I know. If like one car is gone, because you know Scott left at whatever time. Especially if Um, I don't know the neighbor very well, you know what I mean? Like, right. Like, if I knew them well enough to where, like, hey, like, if I knew their names, I probably would have knocked on the door. I would have tried a little bit harder 
but if I didn't know them well, I would have at least kept the dog if I couldn't get the dog in, in anywhere. You know what I mean? Yes. Okay. Makes sense to me. Um, okay. So with that being said, there is a receipt. So Scott was on the water from about 1 to 2 p.m. with his parking receipt marking his arrival at 1254. So he was um, – bless you, Franklin. He was on the water from – Right. Okay. So this is what I'm saying from 1 to 2 p.m. But he got to the dock or whatever at 12.54. Okay. So at 12, so like 12.54, he's parking his truck and he has his little parking receipt that says the time. And by one, maybe like it took longer to take the boat out there by like one ten, he's probably out on the water Mm -hmm. till two. Um, he made small talk with some other guys that were also out there fishing and, you know, it was just like, what'd you catch? That kind of thing. Yeah. Now it's two fifteen when he leaves Lacey, a voicemail. So he sounds so casual. He's, it's almost like too casual. Some might say to me, it kind of sounded normal, but I mean, anybody can try to sound normal if they're trying to. So he tells her he won't be able to pick up a, a basket for her grandfather. I think he had volunteered to uh, do it as a favor for her sister or something. Um, and so he hoped that she could make it out and go get the uh, basket for him. Uh, by Because this is the day before Thanksgiving. Or not Thanksgiving, good Lord. This is the day before Christmas. So there's like a bunch of things people are trying to get done before Christmas Day, before they all get together. Mm-hmm. I just asked my brother a question pertaining to what you've just said a minute ago. Ooh, what? I asked him how long it took for him to get his boat off of the trailer of the truck into the water. Like how long that process was. I'm waiting for him to reply. He better reply before we're done talking. Good idea. I could have asked my my aunt too because I don't know. And I don't know if there's different ways. It's like on top of a trailer, but the trailer is attached to the truck, right? That's that's what you're picturing. But it's Um, for the most part, you get – You just like reverse into the dock. You have to like reverse your truck and then – yeah, kind of like the trailer. Running. Yes. I don't know how he's doing this alone, too. Well, do people do that? You can do it alone, but he also he had a smaller do. boat than what a lot of people are picturing. Ah. So yeah. that's also, so I was like, because my brother's boat, I think, is bigger than what everyone was saying. Like, basically, what they said that he had was like a fucking canoe or some shit. Like, it was something like small. Right. Yeah, yeah, like something little. And my brother's boat the was bigger than that. But I was going to yeah, like cut the time in half or some shit. Oh, look at a little mathematician over here. A um, little mathematician. X over 100. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm just a regular old detective over here. It's the part, part of Mean Girls where she's uh, calculating the the carbs and butter <laughs> oh, oh the carbs uh, i don't remember she's like it's x over 100 and they're like whatever i'm getting cheese fries and i'm so. fucking karen she's all fucking it's, there's a 30 percent chance that it's already raining <laughs> i use that line all the time word i'm um, terrible at math karen. <laughs> the, the only good karen besides my favorite murder that we can oh yes be okay with um other karen's not so sure you have to oh, yourself. Yeah. But anyway so okay so he leaves this voicemail at 2 15 pretty much being like i'm not going to be able to make it in time uh 
can you make it? And uh, I'm going to be home soon. Love you. Bye. Like oh, very God, casual. I'll try to find the clip. Yes, you need to because I fucking hate that voicemail. He sounds like such a douche. Dude, just wait till the you know who uh, conversations. Oh, those are bad too. Oh my god, I can't. This whole thing. Oh god. (laughs) I'm treating this. I'm trying to treat this as if nobody's heard of it, but it's really hard to because it's so common that I just want to get to the nitty gritty and be like, let's discuss. Right. I feel like a lot of people have heard of this case. Which, guys, if you see a movie called Gone Girl, you won't be able to unsee the similarities between that movie slash novel and this case. Of course, sadly, this this is a real murder and it actually yeah. happened. It wasn't her just being a badass trying to frame. Yes. <laughs> so, I just watched that movie the other day and I fucking remembered how much I love it. It holds up, doesn't it? We've also rewatched yeah, it a few it. times because it's that good. Oh, my brother said... It depends how much traffic and what ramp, but anywhere from five to 15 minutes. Damn it. <laughs> okay, five to 15 yeah, minutes. Out. Okay, that checks out. Sense. That checks out. So, okay, so then one person, do you have to like back your boat into the dock and then unhinge it and all that and then go repark somewhere else? Because you can't just be parked. It's in people's oh, way. Oh, yes, I see your point. Yeah, but I think it depends on because I don't think the way I'm picturing it is the way it's set up at the lake that I've been to. And I don't think his, his was like on the ocean, wasn't it? Like there wasn't, it wasn't on the lake. So I think it's different. I think it's different the way it's set up there. Like, but I'm not a thousand percent sure. Like dock off. And so you don't really have to just to, uh, Make yeah, time, like the time makes sense is what I'm saying. Trying to figure out the every detail of every move he made, but yeah, we can move on and come back. But okay, thanks to your brother for yes. that information. Mm-hmm. Okay, so around four thirty he gets back. So it it was quite a bit of a trip. Not to mention the day it is and people, you know, traffic on the road. It's California, that kind of thing. Um, he arrived back at the warehouse and dropped off his boat. So he left that voicemail at at uh, two fifteen and gets back around four thirty. He goes to the warehouse first to drop off the boat, and then he goes straight home. Um, and he mentioned he was trying to get home as soon as possible because he was already getting home late. She wasn't there when he arrived, but he says the only unusual things were that the door was unlocked and that the dog was leashed in the backyard. So before thinking that it was weird that she wasn't home, he thought those two things were weird. And he assumed that she was just at her mom's, you know, preparing like food for Christmas or just little things that they might have forgotten to do the day before. Right. So he puts his clothes in the washer and gets pizza out of the fridge uh, with milk because he's a disgusting person. Pizza and milk. God damn it, white people. I know, it's true. (laughs) Well, they're very health they're very health conscious and remember that? That it sounds like curdling <laughs> shit in your stomach <laughs> it's all gonna combine later uh later on anyway but um they wanted strong bones remember at the time this was, was, you know, all, those, all those uh got milk uh ads all over the place this is the early oh, 2000s man. late 90s everybody's like you know strong bones drink milk whatever or you know some people are just oh shit Hold on, my brother's calling me. Look, and I think he's gonna give us the answer, son of a bitch. Here we oh, go. Oh, great! Here we go. Hello. Hey. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. So, how long did the guy claim that it took him to do everything? 
how long did it was it Abby? It was like it he parked his truck at twelve fifty four PM and was on the water around one. He parked his truck at twelve fifty four and he was on the water by like one. By one? Yes. Uh, it, it, it's possible. Okay. Uh, but how do you but how do you like he was by himself, so how did he get it was on the it was at a marina so it wasn't the same as like how it is at the lake i don't think oh, okay so, so i mean they, they still have rats and stuff like that but um you know i'm not too sure how far the parking lot is from the ramp so what happens is obviously you back the boat up in, into the ramp right yeah um you unload the boat and you either park it on the dock or like into a stall of some sort that's there uh, at the marina. I don't, I'm not sure they have dogs. I'm sure they have like stalls or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then once you tie the boat off, you go park the, the truck and the trailer in the parking lot. Oh, you tie the you boat go, off. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You tie the boat off and then um, you, you go back, you know, you go park your vehicle in the trailer and then you walk back to the boat. Oh, okay. I guess I didn't think uh, about tying your boat off. But, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, if you want to go, like, extremely into it, Google, like, where exactly the marina was. And what uh, it looks like. Google Maps and see, like, estimate the walking distance and shit like that. Oh, you know? that's a good idea. Because he was supposed to have, like, had, like, had carried his wife into the boat. So, or maybe he had already put her in there. See, he, that's another thing. But they, before he even put the boat in the water. Yeah, he, yeah, that know, makes like, sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wherever he came from, Let this be the time we figure everything out. Right? <laughs> all right. Well, that's all I needed to know. Okay. Let me know if you need any, if you got any questions about, you know, fishing or hunting murders or whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Perfect. You're going to be my you. consultant. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, good luck solving the. Murder mystery. Thanks. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Bye. That was very, that was exactly what I needed to know. So there could have been so many chances that people saw him doing something like, you know, if people are driving through, I don't know how many people were on the Marina that day, but if they saw him parking or uh, docking or, you know, attaching his boat after he was done or whatever, um, you know, that kind of thing. But anyway, um, let's see. So leaves a voicemail at 2.15 on his way back, gets to the warehouse at 4.30, drops the boat off, and then goes straight home. She wasn't there, and then, like I mentioned, the door was unlocked, the dog was leashed in the backyard. He assumed she was at her mom's. It was Christmas Eve after all. So he puts his clothes in the washer, gets some pizza with milk, and then took a shower, and then he called Sharon, her mother, at 5.17, so it's almost a whole hour since um, he was at the warehouse, if he got there at 4.30, and it's 5.17, he's calling his mother-in-law, asking where she's at, and the car and the dog were there, and she wasn't, so he makes sure to ma- mention that, so, you know, maybe she got picked up or whatever. Well, at 5.47, her stepfather is the one to call the police to report her missing, She's eight months pregnant, so he makes sure to mention that on the call. He mentions that she's been missing since the morning, but do we really know if she went missing in the morning? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
he says it in the call. I'll try to find that call as well to post that. Um, and that she took the dog for a walk. He says that as well in the park and that the dog came home without her. So what this looks like to me is a lot of assumptions from the very beginning of how the morning looked. Uh-huh. Um, and I'll mention, I found a website kind of questioning some of these statements later on. I don't want to like boggle our little thought processes as we're going, but mm-hmm. at the end, um, I'll get to it and I'll tell you what might've happened instead of what he just said. Okay. So the operator's like, okay, we'll send um, somebody over to the residence right away. And so they do. So at 6 p.m., the Modesto police meet with Scott and Sharon in the East La Loma Park, which is where they believed um, Lacey had walked the dog. It's a nearby park. You kind of have to walk through the neighborhood to get there. But he, I'm, I'm assuming, knows kind of where her route is and stuff. So they go to the park. And from there, Detective Al Brocchini, he was on the scene. He asked to see the house. So that same night on Christmas Eve, so the same day she goes missing, he wants to see the house. And Scott says, no problem. You know, he just lets them come right over. And they're watching his every move, he said, like from the beginning. So he felt like they thought he was guilty from the beginning, but Mm -hmm. they claim that they were just trying to make sure it wasn't him. So that's that kind of thing where take a polygraph so we can like opt you out and you're not a suspect, you know what I mean? But to him, it felt like he was under a microscope and it's because he's hiding a little secret in my opinion is why he's acting weird. And that will carry on throughout this entire thing. So 12 AM, 1 AM, they're, they're still in the house. They find no evidence of a struggle, no forced entry, There was a recorded interview with Scott. He was very cooperative from what you can tell um, and what they say on night one. He was extremely cooperative. And it just seems like from that point on, he gets less and less willing to cooperate. Mm -hmm. But we'll we'll see. So he was even able to describe the Martha Stewart episode that it was something having to do with meringue or like lemon, lemon sugar cookies with meringue or something. So they know that he was with her that morning. Um, from what he describes it. And like I said, the, the house didn't look weird. It looked, you know, normal. There was, it wasn't too clean, suspiciously clean in other words. Um, so December 25th comes along and the next day, uh, 2002, Scott calls his family that morning to give them the news and they're, you know, so sad, uh, and worried about Lacey because obviously she's eight months pregnant and they don't know where she is. Al Brocchini called Detective John Bowler, Bueller, Bueller, <laughs> I don't want to say Bueller. I don't think it's Bueller. I'm not sure. John Bowler. His impression of Scott was that his behavior made it seem like he was less interested in finding her compared to um, other cases he'd worked on. He didn't ask any questions regarding the investigation. He didn't ask them specific questions on what they were doing, how they were going about anything. He just, I guess, left it in their hands and assumed they were doing their job. And they did not think that that was the right way to be, I guess. So they may get a point to mention that whenever they're in this docuseries. Brocchini had asked if he wanted to take a polygraph to clear him as a suspect. And um, at first he was willing to do it. But then whenever Scott talked to his father, his father advised him against it. Mm -hmm. Man, I don't know. I don't know if I would want to do that because even if he's innocent sometimes it's going to come off as he's being um he's lying and he might not be lying so it just 
right. don't know. And it's the day after. So in general, people are shaken up whenever something happens yeah, to their loved Yeah, polygraph one. tests are not like... And they're not so reliable. And this yeah. is 2002. So even then, his father knew to be like, don't take it. Right. I would never do it either. My anxiety is way too fucked up for me to right. ever. I would be I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm fucking nervous as hell just talking to people at work. They come up. I'm like, please don't ask me where anything is. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, imagine that. I can't hooked up to all kinds of stuff. No, thank oh, you. Yeah. But you'd fail for sure. I'd be like, um, what I learned in boating school. Is. <laughs> uh, so, Scott, I don't know if it looks worse that he at first was willing and then he changed his mind, or if it would have been worse if he just said no from the beginning. What do you think? I honestly think that he thought it would be okay, and his dad was like, "It's not going to be okay because you are." probably going to be frazzled regardless and if you fail you're fucked so don't even do it i thought too he he comes off as almost cocky like very confident um not even regarding the case i just mean like him as a person he looks very like i've got this it doesn't matter what comes my way you know that kind of an attitude but sometimes people Um, act that way whenever they're nervous so that might also be one thing it's like a front Maybe. Yes, and they become oh. fucking assholes because they're trying too hard to act cool, and it's like your anxiety is fucking that up for you. True. Oh goodness, you should see the way Nancy Grace is disgusted. She cannot stand Scott <sighs> throughout the docu series. <laughs> she doesn't like speak on it without insulting him indirectly in some way. It's kind of almost comedic, but um, anyway. She's- asshole to <laughs> i mean i don't like him either but i fucking hate nancy grace i mean it's almost like i don't want to use that like i don't know why it's jumping out at me as you can catch more with sugar than with um whatever the hell you catch flies better with honey than with what's the stupid saying i don't fucking remember but it's something along those lines anyway <laughs> then with um You're not southern enough gross. With hateful comments. But anyway, so so um, nobody is trusting Scott at this point whenever he backs out on the polygraph. And um, they're suspicious. The press wanted to know how cooperative Scott was being. Whenever Scott told them about that, I think it was like hours later that the, the cops called him back. And they were like, you know, the, the press are asking us if you're being cooperative. And we're not going to say you're not being cooperative, but we are going to let them know that you aren't doing the polygraph. So then the media takes that and people see that and they're like, oh, my gosh, you know, he's not taking the polygraph test. Why? You know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So the public had a growing suspicion based on his alibi alone when they found out, you know, where he was and where what happened to her, that kind of a thing. It's in other words, it's unfolding as they're finding things out, and that's not really a good idea. Right, um, it affects people's opinions of the case, and therefore um, interrupts the judicial, like jury part of it later mm-hmm. on. <clears throat> but the response for Lacey was very strong. Everybody was worried about her. She's a young woman, pregnant. She was a substitute te- teacher at the time. She's just very. It's a it's a very tight knit community. Very. Um, they show support for everything in that area. So <clears throat> there were so many volunteers that came out to search for Lacey. And what was important here was that those who came forward with the sightings of Lacey, they were willing to give any information they could on where they saw her and that kind of thing. So several people, 
along the supposed route that she took mentioned seeing the pregnant Lacey walking the golden retriever. And it was believed that the police were checking in on these reports. However, they weren't. So the, the witnesses, eyewitness people come onto the docu-series and straight up are like, we actually called into the police, gave them all this information, or they said, I told such and such what happened, but nobody ever came to us. Like there were never any police investigations into what they saw. Like nobody came came over to them and was like, what did you see? So it didn't mm-hmm. really matter. You know what I mean? Many think that once the speculations began about Scott, um, the investigation was just tunnel vision driven. So the next day, December 26, 2002, around 5 p.m., the police come with a warrant to do a heavier search on the Peterson residence. They wanted him to sign in writing the consent to search his home, but he was once again advised to have an attorney and, and didn't want to sign until his attorney answered But he didn't hear from his attorney in time, so they executed the search anyway. So even just that little pushback also made it look weird. Like, why are you just, you let us search before, why aren't you letting us search now? (laughs) So he didn't give them permission, and it appeared to be a red flag, because that's how they reported it, you know. They had a warrant to search. He didn't give permission, but we still have the warrant to search. Um, So it was a red flag again. And they had dogs even um, sniffing the area. (laughs) <laughs> the the story then blew up in the media for sure there were vans like in par- parked in front of the house they were watching his every move his comings and goings the looks on his face how stressed he looked it was very new for people to have live feed in those days of stuff you know unraveling unfolding right before their eyes so live reports were every hour and alongside this People were already watching the news because th- at this time our country had just entered the Iraq war. So there were reports daily, almost like every other hour on what's going on in Iraq. What is George Bush saying about Iraq? This and that. Mm -hmm. So that means even more people had the opportunity to come across this case. And it was just like watching reality TV for the whole nation. Um, Everybody was tuning in. Uh, So the news vans were parked right outside, like I said, and the yellow tape, they were seeing the yellow tape and items being put into police vehicles for inspection, and I'm sure their their opinions were running wild. So believing that she may have been snatched up, her family appeared on the news stations pleading for her safe return, like, if you have her, bring her back, we love her, she's going to be a mother, like, don't hurt her, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's the 27th of uh, December, and they're doing uh, TV appearances. The family has no problem coming out on the news, um, giving information on their daughter and asking people for her safe return. But it is noticed by both the public and the investigators that Scott is not interested in doing those kinds of appearances or, you know, like on reports um, on the news and stuff where they ask him directly what he thinks or if he's scared about it or whatever, which is what people want to see. They want to see you grieving. They want to see you worried right. or else you probably did it. So Nancy Grace, of course, has a lot to say about it. She's going on every show or mentioning every time she can how his lack of emotion should make it clear to everybody that he should be a suspect. What's interesting to me is how hard her family rode for Scott at first. Like they were not 
they were having his back the entire time. Whenever he would come up at all, they would say, Scott has been nothing but supportive and cooperative. We have no reason to believe that they had any kind of problems. They were such a loving couple. They were excited for their son, Connor, to be born. They had just moved to Modesto to start a family. So it just didn't make sense for him to even be considered by them as a suspect. Mm -hmm. Her dad's side of the family, like her siblings, didn't even think there was a possibility that he had anything to do with her disappearance. And they said that on TV and everything. By December 30th, 2002, there had been a burglary across the street on the day of her disappearance. So it took that long for them to realize that. And Diane Jackson was a neighbor who was on her way home around 11.40 a.m. that morning. So keep the other timeline in the back of your head. We'll go back over it again. But by 11.40 a.m. that morning, she said she saw people and a van in front of the house that was burglarized. They turned to her as the car passed, and that's why she really noticed them because they all turned to look at her at the same time. And they had been in front of the Medina family's home. The family had apparently went on a trip for Christmas, for the Christmas holiday, and when they returned, they realized they had been burglarized and reported it, and it's believed to have happened on the 24th. So they believe that the 24th is when they were burglarized, and on the 24th, obviously, is when she went missing and when the neighbors saw those people parked in front of the street. So it's all lining up, if that has anything to do with Lacey Peterson. Mm-hmm. So... um. I didn't write any of this down. This is off the top of my head. They pretty much said it was brown, brown-skinned um, individuals, about like four men, outside of their van, like in the back of the van, but outside of that Medina home. Um, however, now they said on the docuseries that the burglar, the burglarization or whatever, the robbery took place on the 26th. But that doesn't fit because here's the thing. At least one news van, I believe his name is Ted. I didn't write down every every reporter's name, but there are quite a few reporters that are on this docuseries. I think his name is Ted. He was one of the top reporters in that county. So he was like doing news casting for that whole investigation that entire time. He was parked in front of Lacey Peterson's house by the 26th. So if if there was a robbery going on, the van would have been there to see it. Like he would have noticed. So they would have seen something with the burglary or something that that neighbor reported if it happened on the 26th. But if it happened on the 24th, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. They would have seen some. I'm sure they they were just, they were just parked out there, bored until Scott came outside, pretty much. So they were just sitting there waiting. Yeah, but I feel like if you know that you're going to be like sitting there waiting, you're going to take like something to preoccupy your time. Like you're going to read something or you're going to be fucking doing it. It only shit. takes a split second to like look down at something else and yeah, miss the and miss van something. driving by. Yes. Or, like, so good point. Good point. Every time I hear that part, that little detail, I'm like, you could have not been paying attention when that happened though. Like really. No, the neighbor could have just been racist, but anyway. Yeah. And that, yeah. <laughs> or they could have really not been robbed. Like they could have, set the whole fucking thing up coincidentally just because right. that that's shit what was sucks on. about yeah that's what sucks about these kinds of things is the coincidences like yeah. if it was just a coincidence it's it's interfering with what's important here and that's what sucks yes. uh so if it didn't happen on the 24th they said the burglary happened on the 26th and then they they said somebody would have seen it because the van the news van was recording outside the house the entire time right wait why didn't it happen on the 25th Christmas Day? I'm not sure. 
they, uh, I don't know who dis- determined that it took place on the 26th because who knows? Or maybe they were just hoping it was on the 24th just because it lined up with that lady's eyewitness account. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, so as of like records based, they say the 26th is when the burglary happened. Um, and so I'm assuming the Medina family just went along with whatever the report was. Mm-hmm. Um, cause they didn't get home till the 30th. And then that's when they reported that, uh, their, their stuff was obviously missing. So it could have happened at any point, I guess. But uh, as far as like the docuseries says, it was either the 24th or the 26th. So fast forward to December 31st, there is a 4 30 PM vigil at the park near the Peterson home. Family spoke and thanked who attended. Um, Scott did not speak. Once again, they make it a point to, uh, discuss how he was not involved in the, uh, there's a ton of volunteers, a ton of people crying, you know, because it's Lacey and they're sad. She has not been found. They don't know any, anything about what's going on or what could have happened to her. Uh, everybody's in tears. And so now here comes the news that we've been waiting. We've been waiting for me to mention this part. Scott and Amber Fry were romantically involved before Lacey went missing and during the investigation. He even called her from the vigil and pretended he was in Paris by the Eiffel Tower for New Year's, um, all the while acting as if nothing had happened. If he's been able to do that, I don't even know, like, what else he would be capable of. Um, People can put up a front whenever they really need to, like, seriously, because I can't believe how, how he sounded on the phone with Amber Fry at the vigil while people are there, you know, mourning his possibly deceased wife. Um, yeah, it was disgusting. So I'm really thinking that th- that his mistress was at the front of his mind uh, this entire time. So that's why I'm assuming that's why he didn't want to be on TV. He didn't want to, um, oh yeah, you know, look for that kind of attention because she would see him and then be like, because she had no idea about Lacey. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about that? Was my my little idea there? That that's, it's not that he was hiding the fact that he might have been involved in Lacey's disappearance. He was hiding because he didn't want Amber or her friends to see him on TV and come out and, you know, be like, "What? What the hell? I didn't know you were married." And she's missing. Are you? Did you do something? You know what I mean? Um, and then of course everybody else is going to find out that he's been cheating on his wife, a pregnant wife, eight months pregnant. Oh, piece of shit. Anyways, so. Yeah, I think that he is a fucking massive piece of shit. Even if, no, I still think that he did fucking kill her. But um, I just, he definitely only gave a shit about what the fuck his fucking girlfriend was going to think of him. Right. And he he was trying to still keep up, keep up the lie. Yeah, and he didn't fuck that up. And it's like, really? Your wife is missing um, and all you give a fuck about is what your girlfriend's going to fucking think of you. Like, really? I really think – and I really think that that's what he was worried about was her seeing him and then coming forward and then everybody immediately thinking he killed his wife for his mistress. You know what I'm saying? Ooh, that's what happened. <laughs> so it made it even worse. That's what I'm saying. It, like, covering it up just made it even worse. Yeah. Like, he should have just came out and been like, I'm seeing somebody. We were having problems, you know, but it wasn't to this point. But at, at the same time, you know, people are going to think he did it regardless of how he went about right. this. Um, so <clears throat> here we go. So Amber Fry. Uh, he didn't, she didn't know he was married. She didn't know anything about this. And the images that, uh, were able to get on camera 
made him appear carefree. Like they took casual photos of him while he was at the vigil and he was laughing and talking to some of the volunteers and some of the guests at the vigil. So it made it seem like he wasn't worried or wasn't scared for his wife. Mm -hmm. Um, So does the way media works threaten our judicial system as we know it? Um, Like think the OJ trial, the Casey Anthony trial and this, like should there be changes made simply based on the fact that we have access to so much information as it's happening, Mm -hmm. should we make changes to our, you know, judicial system Uh, or like do something to change, make changes to our fucking media shit. Like that, like literally it fucks up a lot of shit. And even if vultures, you could get paid like thousands of dollars for just a picture of somebody taking a shit like damn yeah seriously and that reminded me of uh speaking of gone girl in that movie um the lady that's supposed to be like fucking nancy grace in that movie yeah uh Uh she like goes she like implies that uh the main dude and his twin sister are like having this incestuous relationship yeah i'm like i thought that was a nice touch fuck kind of like that really happens in real life. Like, yeah, I fucking hate that shit. Like, that's not necessary. That is something that it doesn't do anything for the fucking you're actually, case. Like, you're bringing you're bringing up my next point exactly where I was heading. Uh, so thank you for that. The scandal and the controversy are what people are thirsty for. It completely distracts from the case, and it's strange because even Scott himself mentioned that he was worried about that because he said the second they found out about Amber Fry, they would stop looking for Lacey. They would assume she's dead. They would assume I did it. And he was completely right. And it's not to say that maybe that's not what happened. And that was true. Like maybe he did kill her and all this, but the fact that even he pointed that out and that's what happened is like really sad. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you're absolutely right. That's what people, it, it takes away from the important shit because we're so focused on the drama of it. Exactly. Exactly. It's fucking disgusting. Okay. I agree. I agree. So uh, the case that was made, too, was that there was a lull in the news over the holiday break, which um, sucked a lot of viewers in. So there were a lot more people watching TV than probably there usually are. If You know, people are out of work. People are out of school for for Christmas break. Mm -hmm. They turn on the TV. Oh, shit. And now they're just sucked in. Uh, to this whole case and all the crazy stuff that's going on. Um, mm-hmm. So now the reporters took over and the logistics and forensics didn't take hold of everyone the way the scandalous parts of the story did. And suddenly Scott is the public enemy for every single person that's watching. Um, compromising the investigation is what you want to avoid as well as having an honest jury who doesn't have bias. So this completely jeopardizes all of it, the investigation as well as the trial. Um, The shock of Amber Fry coming forward to speak doesn't beat the shock of finding out that she was part of the investigation since she found out about it. She found out through a friend, I believe, which I'll mention in a second. So Scott's actions didn't matter if he was attempting to conceal his face. He could have tried harder to find Lacey using his voice and face, but no, he was trying to hide um, this secret, um, like I mentioned. Mm -hmm. So... The beginning of the affair uh, apparently was in November 2002, five weeks before Lacey goes missing. Scott, to my understanding, uh, tried flirting with a woman at a work convention. Her name was Sean, and instead she introduced 
him to her friend, Amber Fry. So he tried coming on to her. This is from a completely different thing. I don't remember even where I heard this, mm-hmm. to be honest, but I just wanted to throw it in here in case it's true. But um, they said that he was hitting on this woman at his work convention and she was like, okay, look, I'm not going to go home with you or anything, but my friend Amber is perfect for you. And so she did the same thing. She went to Amber Fry, her friend who was a massage therapist and was like, I, I found the perfect guy for you. And at that point in her life, she was looking for the one Uh, to spend her life with. She already had like a a son, I think, and she was looking for somebody to marry and whatever. So they clicked when they met and she took him to her work Christmas party as her date. And those photos are also available online, which did not help his case whatsoever. She had no idea that he was married. He mentioned that he would be taking a trip to Europe um, in December was he trying to make this up so that while he was with Lacey and his family, she couldn't reach him? Like, I'm going to be busy soon. So, you know, don't call me or anything. Or was it because, or was it because he would be lying low when Lacey went missing? Do you see what I'm saying here? That could have been a setup. That could have been a setup for either or as in like, I'm going to be in Europe, you know, don't, you know, don't expect me to be available to meet up, you know, every week or whatever. Right. And I forget where Amber Fry was located because I don't think it was in Modesto. I'm pretty sure it was like a city over or something. I'll have to figure that out. But um, it wasn't until after Christmas that a friend gave Amber a newspaper and she saw details that related to Scott Peterson that she knew. Like, so before she even saw his face in the paper, she was like, wow, this sounds just like Scott, like all the, I guess where he was from, that kind of thing. And so on December 30th, she called the police. So she was the one to reach out and be like, hey, I was dating Scott Peterson. What the hell is going on here? So the detectives went right over to her house for an hour-long interview, and she completely complied because she wanted to help. And um, she had no idea that she was, you know, sleeping with a married man or seeing him or whatever, what have you. So they went to uh, Radio Shack right away, and as soon as they set up a listening device on her phone, Scott called. And she (laughs) had to answer, like, right then, right in front of the cops, and act fucking normal. Could you imagine? No. You're seeing this guy. Not. You know, it's looking good. It, the holidays are coming in and you're like, okay, this is great. He's my date to my work party. And then you see him in the newspaper and you see that his pregnant. Not only he, he's married, she's pregnant and she's missing. What do you do? Uh, flip the fuck out. Yeah, I would fucking shit. <laughs> so... The police told her to carry on as usual because uh, he didn't know that she knew. And so he didn't know that they knew that she knew and that she knew they knew. So (laughs) he tells her he will be, (laughs) he tells her he will be in Paris tomorrow on the 31st, you know, for New Year's Eve, yada, yada. So this is before the vigil. We got two timelines going here. That would piss me off. Like, you know that he would right. You know, he's not. You know, yes. That's what he's lying to your face and you have to be like, oh, okay, cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's exciting. I would have been like, please. (laughs) shit. I know. I'm like, I need to punch something, but okay. <clears throat> she is told he's going to be in Paris on New Year's and uh, that's right. She knew even before the vigil where he was and, and why he was acting so shifty and made the effort to call her like nothing was wrong and that he was in Europe. So he was recorded as he lied about the New Year's in Paris uh, and he came up with names on the spot it sounded like. he was. She's like, oh yeah, I forget the names of your friends. Like, what are their names? And he was like Pasquale and like Francois and like, because they were like, typical French names. Like, oh, who is this guy? 
Oh, I can't stand that part. Ugh. Okay, so I hate him regardless of if he did or not. Like, I hate him. But anyway, so Amber was kept a secret from everyone until her public appearance. That was intense. So in 2004, an interview with Scott revealed that he supposedly didn't want the searches to stop for Lacey with finding out about Amber, like I mentioned uh, to you a second ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, he brought up the case of Chandra Levy and Larry Condit. Um, I guess she went missing, and when they found out they were sleeping together, I think it was a, a boss and employee situation uh, where they were sleeping together. It was together. an intern. and Oh, yes. There you go. Yeah. Um, so he, he used that as an example. This is a 2004 interview, so it could have been hindsight. You know, he, he's had time to gather up all the reasons for why he didn't want to bring Amber into the right, spotlight. Right. But he brings up that case uh, specifically, and he was right that Amber would steal the publicity, and that's what happened. Mm. But going back now, uh, they began searching the San Francisco Bay. So he was right. Like, they're looking for a body now. They're no longer asking people where they've seen Lacey, if she could have run away, or if she could have been kidnapped. They're now looking for her body in the San Francisco Bay, Berkeley Marina area. On January 5th, 2003. So that's when they began searching. Mm -hmm. At this point, the family still trusted that Scott had nothing to do with it, but it's because they still didn't know about Amber at this point, January 5th. So does being a liar, cheater, and narcissist make you a killer? Because as soon as they found out about Amber, they completely flipped. Of course, mainly just her stepdad, mom, and brother, but it seems like the others didn't blame Scott right away, even finding out this information. Um... But her mom and her brother and stepdad completely just like switched teams. And the media began to twist information um, into Scott potentially being involved with a missing Cal Poly student named Karen Smart. So it's already Mm -hmm. jumping from him potentially like just being a cheater to him being a murder of his own wife plus another woman named Karen Smart who was never found. Mm So uh, they printed misinformation like that, like uh, just jumping to conclusions and saying that forensics were found. It was just like weird misinformation that was being printed um, and other things in the investigation. So as people do, they speculate and they agree with what's in the news. Um, So these networks and stations are waiting for a leak. Uh, There was a juicy one just around the corner. Talking about Amber Fry here. There was strong competition between the networks and more people are watching TV because they're trying to figure out what the hell happened. Mm -hmm. So uh, my understanding is that the investigation became find the body, catch a confession on record uh, via Amber Fry and Scott's phone calls. So those are the two motives that it seems like the police are working on right now. Uh, The two... uh, objectives so the public but the public doesn't know that she's even involved yet remember Mm -hmm. she hasn't made a public appearance yet Mm -hmm. and instead reporters are reporting the news the police were gunning for scott on january 6th so the next day amber baits scott to say what's going on she mentioned that a friend left a worried voicemail (laughs) Uh, she doesn't give any details though so she did a good job with that she just said Hey, my friend called me and was like, have you talked to Scott? Call me back. And so she left it open. Like she just didn't tell him that she knew a single thing. Mm -hmm. And you hear him just break down. Scott tells her everything. She tells, uh, she calls him out on uh, December 9th and said, and says that he had said he lost his wife on December 9th is what, this is what he told her on December 9th, that he had lost his wife and that this was the first holiday season without her. And he cried and it was like a little bonding moment for them. And December 9th is 
uh, days before she goes missing, like what, yeah. two weeks, almost two weeks before she goes missing. Oh, yeah. So why then would he tell her he lost his wife, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when she brings that up to him, like you said you lost your wife um, and that was before she even went missing. So what's the deal with that? He said he lost his wife and he defends his statement by saying there are different kinds of loss, Amber. What the fuck? Okay. And then she left you or because you could have just like said that. I'd be like, bitch, you cried. You let me comfort you while you cried because you knew that I knew what kind of loss you were talking about. Exactly. It was exactly. So um, that almost falls into the whole I'm going to Europe, you know, kind of thing. Like a pre. uh, Just a piece of shit liar. Exactly. It was like premeditation or was there a plan for an earlier time that didn't work out? Like maybe he was going to have her go missing sooner than the 24th. Right. So he was going to Europe too, was like I said. Was this because he knew how time consuming the aftermath of murdering his wife would be? Um, So he ended up having to keep communication to keep tabs on what Amber found out or knew. Uh, But she knew not long after the events unfolding anyway. So he did it for nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, So enter the private investigator. Gary Ermoyan was hired by Scott's attorney, Kirk McAllister, like almost immediately, three days after her disappearance because they felt he was already being targeted and they were absolutely right. The PI spoke with witnesses. So he was even uh, on the case before the whole Amber Fry situation and everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this is how the PI breaks down the sequence of events after asking people. So he's the one that went out and found the eyewitnesses and asked them exactly what they saw and about what time and everything. So instead of the cops doing that, this private investigator did that. Okay, so here's the sequence of events of that morning she went missing, according to P.I. Gary. At 9.48 a.m., December 24th, 2002, Scott left home in his truck to the warehouse. Lacey left after that, walking down Covina Avenue. Homer and Sue Maldonado go out to deliver friends' Christmas presents between 9.50 and 10 a.m. So they say they saw her. Um, He pulled out on Mueller Avenue and saw pregnant Lacey struggling with the dog. And uh, in the docuseries, they mentioned that they looked at each other and they saw her, the dog like kind of like pulling at the leash and the, the wife was like, I hope she doesn't fall. And uh, they drove away. So he pulled out onto Miller, saw her, and then at 10 a.m., a route driver named Tony Fridas saw Lacey uh, walking the Golden Retriever on La Loma Avenue. Um, and there's a map. I'll post the map uh, so that we can, you know, theorize all together. So at 10 a.m., Scott had made a call to his voicemail saying he was on his way to the warehouse, and this verified was verified by the police to time out the events. So this part, I don't, I'm confused. Like he calls his own voicemail saying he's on his way to the warehouse. You see what I'm saying? Like the warehouse voicemail. That's how I understood it. I'm going to have to look up that part again, but that was mentioned on uh, the private investigators theory. So I'll have to look into that. So Mm -hmm. there's a voicemail saying he's on his way to the warehouse. In other words, by uh, 10 AM, that's when it was left. Mm -hmm. Um, Another witness Mr. Aguilar was driving with his wife down La Loma Avenue when he noticed she wasn't wearing a jacket and that it was too cold for her to be walking out there while she's that pregnant. Yeah, but when you're that pregnant, you're probably hot as fuck. Yeah, maybe maybe there you go. Um, So at the park where she walked the dog, Diana Campos 
was smoking out behind the hospital before her shift. And it's kind of like the hospital is a, at a higher like elevation or, you know, like it's a hill. Yes. It's like on a hill kind mm-hmm. of. So she can see perfectly down the where the trail is in the park and she can see them walking. And uh, she says that she saw who she think who, th- who she thinks is like, cause there's another thing. We we can all see a pregnant woman walking a golden retriever, right? Mm-hmm. But nobody knows for sure if it's Lacey, if you really think right. about it. Mm-hmm. It could just be some other pregnant woman walking a dog. Mm-hmm. So two men were following Lacey and Mackenzie, the dog, began barking. And they yelled at her to shut that fucking dog up, uh, according to Miss Campos. The so f- the detective – Right. I know. So many things coming into play here, right? So, uh, and these are all eyewitness accounts. You you can't really know for sure what you're remembering, this and that. So mm-hmm. just keep that in mind, obviously, people out there. Uh, so the detective, John Bueller, thinks that there were no witnesses who saw Lacey at all. He believes that she was just dead by then. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was impossible for any of these people to see her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the thing is like they don't even look into it. They just assume she's already dead. She's in the back of the boat on on her on the water, you know, not walking the dog at all. So did Scott leave the dog out on purpose and stage the walk story before he left? Mm, it's a possibility, but all of these all of the times that people said they saw her was like around 10, 10:30, right? And if he left at 9.48. But did he really leave at 9.48? He just left a voicemail. I mean, he could just say that shit. She could have have gone to her walk and he could have picked her up after, like, right after her walk. He could have been the one during her, yeah, during her walk, he could have picked her up and then killed her. And in that time frame between 10.30 and 12, yeah, he had enough time to go to his warehouse where he could have done whatever he was going to do there to her. And then he take he puts her into that boat and then he goes to the lake or the river, the river, the ocean. And yeah. he uh-huh. dumps her there. Right. Right. And we will talk about that theory too. The whole, how did he get her into the boat? And they fucking flopped on, on that too. Um, but so this is where I would wish that dogs could talk mm-hmm. because Mackenzie knows some shit went down yeah. and that breaks my heart so much when I think about it. Cause she can't say, or, you know, the dog can't say anything about it. So he could have just staged it. Like you said, there's the, but then there's that other witness that says she saw him unloading umbrellas out of the truck or whatever he was doing in the back of the truck before he left. But that's the thing is I don't think she saw him pull away. Yeah. And at that, Point, the dog wasn't in the yard yet like it's a bunch of things that c- could have just been misaligned right um, he could have gone back to drop the dog off and he just chunked the dog out the door with the leash still on and shit and he drove away and then the dog walked back home alone yeah or the dog didn't <laughs> even have like he literally could have pulled down the, yeah down the street and just been like well you know how to get home get there or hopefully you don't go back yeah. but if you do great but and also remember the door was unlocked. So what if someone grabbed her while she was locking the door and the dog was just in the yard? You know what I mean? They left the dog, grabbed her, and it was right in front of her home. She didn't even have to because who leaves the door unlocked if you're walking that far from home? You know what I mean? But she's pregnant. Maybe she just forgot. Like that's a she thing. Like pregnancy brain is a thing. Yeah, the dog started pulling the leash or something, yeah, so she got she distracted. Got distracted. Like, okay, okay, let's Yeah, and I honestly feel like people really did see her. Like, maybe not that nurse 
at the maybe not all that yes. all of them but at least maybe not all of them few. but i think right. a few people did see her god yeah that's what i think too i don't know um so after that so um she says she saw those two men and that they yelled at her to shut the dog up and uh the detective doesn't he just lets this go in in one ear and not the other if he even gets a hold of this information at all because like i said the private investigator is who went and spoke to these witnesses mm-hmm. um which if you think about it the private investigator is on the side of scott anyway so he's just gonna take this stuff and run right with it. i mean he's getting paid well that's what sucks about it too because the investigators are against scott so they're not gonna want to hear it anyway so mm-hmm. Um, Which is so now that they're just automatically or I mean, I get it. There was a lot of evidence against him, but why wouldn't you at least take into consideration other shit, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because you have that's how you have to go into it is like completely unbiased in in the you have to be on the side of the victim here. Like it's not about who you're against. It's like I have to find out what happened to her. So that's what sucks about this whole thing is it just all got boggled together with all the drama and everything. So. Mm Uh, All right. So now the witnesses saw that no investigation took place by the police themselves. They never came to question the witnesses. And then another witness, Mike Chiavera, actually contacted the police about seeing Lacey in the park that day and that there was no follow up. So even he is like, why is nobody calling me back about what I saw? Mm -hmm. Um, This string of sightings alone would make it to where Scott is innocent. Also, his actions once he got to the warehouse does not back up that he murdered her. Uh, He sent a Christmas email to his boss and figured out how to put together a woodworking tool um, is what they saw on the computer. So it was all unless he casually planned it all out to, you know, be part of his alibi. That's what it that's what he did when he got to the warehouse before he uh, hooked his boat up. Um, so I doubt he was doing this to throw off the police, but he could have if it was all part of the plan. I just don't think he's that smart. Do you? Like, I I mean, I don't think it was him being smart, honestly. I don't know. Just covering his ass however he could. And I don't think, like, I honestly don't think he was, like, this maniacal person. Like, he just... I don't, I, yeah. I guess like dumb luck, maybe. Like, that's what I really. That's how, that's how Ben Affleck plays that character in Gone Girl, too. That yeah. he's just some dumb, some dumb guy that's yeah, like, oh, I didn't, I didn't yes. even. <laughs> uh, that movie's so good. Anyway, <clears throat> so. Ooh, I just got a little excited thinking about that sexy ass scene of him and his girlfriend in his sister's house. <laughs> Oh, that that pissed me off. So it pissed much. me off the too, but it was like really hot because they were trying to be quiet and they were like trying to sneak around. True. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> I can't stand her. He picked. I'm sorry, but he picked somebody stupid to be his mistress. Yeah, anyway, and also his sister. I would have went out there with a baseball bat, pretending like it was a robbery before I let him have his whole Dude, morning like that. For real, and she's I straight up sitting there. <laughs> In her house. Yes. How does that make her? Like, she's part of it, too. Yes. Like, oh, I knew about them I, being together. They could meet up at my house anytime. Yes, I would have literally killed my brother. I would have been like, we're, I am about to be arrested because you are a fucking idiot. Idiot. Exactly. Um, yeah, that. But I do. I I mean, quite sex hot, whatever. But she was annoying <laughs> yeah, and he was annoying. It, and I, if I was his sister, I would have been like, who the fuck is in my house? And acted like I didn't know anything. And then been like, oh. Yeah, hmm, it was just really shitty. We have here. Like, <laughs> you not have just yep. kept in your fucking pants for 
a little bit. Like, geez. I agree. I agree. So, um, but I'm glad he didn't. January, <laughs> right? <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Uh, January 14th, 2003, a photo leaks to the media of Amber and Scott at the work Christmas party. And they're like hanging all over each other. And he he looks, you know, happy-go-lucky, whatever. Mm-hmm. So so the National Enquirer uh, pretty much calls the investigators and they're like, we have a picture that you guys might want to see. They send it over and they tell them we have a date that we're printing the story, which gives them a chance to do some, um, what's the word? Uh, something control? Not crowd control. Um, what is the word? Oh, damn it, Abby. Uh, Problem control? No. Public damn it, stop it. I know the word. <laughs> <laughs> Damage control. Uh, Damage control. Here we go. Public relations. Uh, everybody. Re- I took that class for fun. Did I tell you that? No. <laughs> um. Yeah. My, my professor was like, uh, your degree is in what? Uh, biology? Why are you taking this class? And I was like, oh, just because I wanted to. And you should have seen his face. It was like Christmas morning. Um, it's important. Public relations, very important, guys. So how, how you handle anything that comes up is public relations. So here we go. So they, the National Enquirer has this photo. They are freaking out. And so this rushes the detectives to tell the families about Scott and Amber. So they meet up with Sharon and Ron, which Ron is her stepdad. Mm-hmm. And uh, they show the photo to them and explain what's going on. And uh, the first thing that she says is, why do you have to kill her? Mm. And that's just horrible. Yeah. As soon as, as soon as she found out about Amber Fry, that's what she says to them. So here it is. January 24th comes along. Amber makes her public appearance. She reads a statement um, that she prepared that they prepared for her, and she was very nervous. She mentioned that she met him in November, on November twentieth, uh, two thousand two, and that they had a romantic relationship. And she breaks down in tears and apologizes to Lacey's family, uh, and this completely threw her family off, and they lost respect, and most of all, uh, trust for Scott. They, the volunteers also turned against him and the volunteer center closed down um, indefinitely. So he ruined everything and essentially, and he wasn't suspiciously hiding a dead wife. Uh, It was just maybe his girlfriend is what one of the reporters mentions when they're being interviewed for the docuseries. Um, So this is page eight and I have like more to cover. So that's just like an update of what I've been reading here. Uh, And I... Now that we have my spiel and I got the first few episodes in, I can say this. This docuseries was not well received. I looked at the reviews and people just think that this was a way to appease everyone who backs up Scott and give him some kind of defensive points. People hate that about this docuseries, but we definitely need to open our minds to the possibility that this could all just have been a devastating series of happenstance um, with his, you know, this stupid cheating asshole. Um, And so it turns out... That he's a liar, cheater, but we don't know if he murdered the love of his life. We don't know if he, if, uh, he didn't love his wife uh, or if he was just full of himself and he was going to, you know, have his cake and eat it too. We don't really know. Mm-hmm. So when this story is up there with constant Iraq war updates, it shapes a whole nation's opinion. And next time we discuss the finding of her body as well as um, baby Connor's body, <laughs> the... That, that's going to be where it really heats up and the trial just goes nuts. Like everything is 
everybody's angry and enraged and they want him to die. So of course, oh, um, I just got really, and sad. then there's new, it's very sad. Um, it's just horrible. So, uh, on January 25th, Scott calls and asks if they had asked her to speak. So he called Amber and was like, I saw you on TV. Uh, and he tells her that he's going to speak to the press and he wants maximum coverage. And he finally says he is going to do whatever it takes to find his wife. So that's why I also, and this is recorded of him speaking to Amber. So that's why I kind of believe it when I say he was hiding Amber. And until it all just came out anyway, he's like, okay, well, fuck it. I might as well be on TV, you know, begging everybody to keep looking for Lacey because now they're distracted by this. But um, I feel like now he knows that the police know about her. So the police have spoke to her. So that means they're going to keep speaking to her. So he has to say this kind of shit to her. I know. I know. And you said this was 2013, right? No, actually, actually, he doesn't know that they're um, listening. But he saw she her on TV. Yeah, of course. But I mean, he doesn't know that, I guess. I guess you're you're saying that he's lying to her. Yes, because he has to have known that. I mean, if she's on TV, that means that the cops know about her. So yeah. Whatever she he is he knows that whatever she hears him say, she's gonna tell the They're cops. Gonna find out. Yes. Yeah. Even if he doesn't think that she's being like that she's wired, he yeah, he has okay. some inkling that she's gonna eventually let the cops know that he said that. So he's he's setting that up, I feel like. He's still putting on a show, yes. but now it's a different kind of yes, show for her. Yes. Okay. Before it was I'm in I'm in Paris and my friends are here with yeah. me, but now it's I'm now I have to focus on finding my wife. It doesn't matter what I have. To yes, do. Um, Jesus. So he contacts people about doing video interviews, and I think her name's Gloria. Her name's Gloria Rodriguez or something, and she's another lady newscaster. It's her and this Ted guy who have been in it from the beginning, parked in front of his house trying to find out everything. So he contacts them and wants to do uh, interviews, and I think another one is for um, Good Morning America or something like that. He has Barbara Walters also interview him. And uh, so the interviews are in his home, and every move he makes is recorded, both by the camera and the interviewers are just paying very close attention to every question he's receiving every time he's going to talk like what are his faces looking like what is his body movement looking like um and uh, her name is uh gloria gomez i'm sorry of the local news network where they live uh she was she had it out for him she was pretty much like the local nancy grace is how she comes off in the docuseries which she's much older you know it's been a few years she's now more confident but at the time i think she was starting out um but she, so she wasn't as intense as Nancy Grace, but now she comes off that way. Mm-hmm. Um, Scott was not ready, uh, nor was he coached enough, it seems like, as uh, he dug his grave deeper when he was up on TV talking about whatever. He lied that he told the cops on the 24th about Amber. He said, they asked him, um, did you tell the police about your affair? And it it goes back, it shows the clip of him that night when the cop asked him, are there any like marriage problems? Are you guys, you know, s- separating or anything like that, having any kind of arguments? And he doesn't mention his mistress at all during the interview. But whenever he's getting interviewed on TV, he says that he did tell the cops that. So he's making it worse by lying. And uh, he also had a slip of the tongue and used the word was when discussing Lacey. Oh, and they had not found the body yet. Shit. 
So people like Nancy Grace like hung on to that was and they run with it and take take, right. uh, take it out of proportion there. So he made it clear. Oh, Go ahead. Shit like that I is know. just so like you <sighs> want to believe like, oh, fuck, there it is. He fucking he did it that he said was. Yeah. But the yeah, it's just so hard to. I get. I mean, I fucking hate him, but that part, those little things are not. Yeah, they're not fucking really deal breakers. But then you got people like Chris Watts acting a fool, saying all kinds of. Uh, if they're safe, good. But if they're not safe, I need them back. What does he say? Like, what are you fucking talking about, dude? I can tell you're flustered as hell. Chris Watts was somebody else oh that uh, I wanted to cover eventually, but oh my god, I'm it just makes it just makes me sick. It really, is I need funny. a little more time for that one. Chris Watts uh, is so, even he, I, he is like I feel maybe ten times worse than fucking Scott Peterson. Absolutely, absolutely. I recently Ooh. saw that. Have you seen that Netflix special yet? Oh yeah. Have you seen the haunted shit of it? No, where they said that the little girls are playing in the back. My boss told me about that. Yeah, that they flick the lights on and off. The little girls are talking in the background. Oh, and the mom says something sad. too. It was really creepy. And this that's sad. It's, I don't even know if it's in the actual documentary of the parts where you can hear them talking, but like it's a footage of mm-hmm. when they're doing the search warrant through the house. And you can hear the girls talking, or, or at least one of them, and you can hear the mom talking too. Oh wow! Yeah. I'll have to find that shit that I saw it on, and send it to you because it's fucking crazy. Oh my gosh! Yeah, please send it to me because I heard and I forgot about it too because my boss, like I said, mentioned that like, oh, did you see that they might be haunting the house? And I was like, no. So yeah, send it to me if you find it. But yeah, that that's a case for sure. That's you can tell he's nervous and i and on that netflix special um i'm sure this was a video available to the public a long time ago where the neighbor is showing the footage to the police and chris watts is standing there but then he leaves first before them and the neighbor turns to the cops and says he's acting weird dude that shit gave me chills chills Chills, dude it was cannot with that kind of shit in that paranormal yeah it was like shit that they mentioned for they tried to make where he's standing next to the tv and he sees Mm -hmm. like a pregnant thing going on and he's like oh yeah and she's pregnant they tried to make like yes being her ghost like put it on there for that shit or something (gasps) oh i didn't think about it that way because what a weird coincidence that that commercial comes on right like yeah, it was as a he's weird setting up his like camera, Ugh, and he's like, "And she's pregnant." Like he just brings it up so awkwardly, though, too. Yeah, but I feel like yeah, I remember what you're talking about. And it was like her like doing a little like, "Hey, motherfucker, don't forget." <laughs> oh my goodness, so heartbreaking. That was hard to watch. And okay, so then now they're saying, sorry to like divert into this Chris Watts situation, but oh no, yeah, he they're saying that she helped him, that the mistress probably helped him. Oh yes, uh, yes. Those are the bodies. Good grief. Yeah, and apparently she looked up uh, Amber Fry uh-huh. getting a book deal and like what that, how that, how she went about doing that. Hey, well, that's just her trying to get her coin, but no, I'm just kidding. Not acceptable. Not acceptable. <laughs> that does look, well, I mean, hey, you have a, sh- a shitty situation. This man that you hardly know ruined your life by killing his family. And it's like, well, let me write a book about it, I guess. What else can I do? Everybody knows me. They've seen me on TV. 
as his, you know, mistress. Um, but uh, I'm sure a lot of people Google weird stuff like that. I mean, yeah, right? but that was before she knew what was going on, I think. Or, like, she claims to know what was going on. Like, it was before she knew what was going on. Who knows? In a few years from now, we can do a deep dive on <laughs> Chris Watts and that whole situation. One it takes for us to well, heal. Well, I mean, it's been a few years since Lacey. Uh, it's been a long oh, time since Lacey. What do you mean a few years? It's been a long time. Exactly. So now there's just a almost like a bunch of fresh eyes that can look at this without it being... You know what I mean? Like how we feel, mm-hmm. how we reacted to the Chris Watts thing just now. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. A few years down the line, we can, you know, look at it without being so emotionally distraught. <laughs> Hopefully. Anyway, so uh, I think I'll cut it off there with um, him trying to fix his boo-boos uh, with media, media-wise. Mm-hmm. But they're still looking for her body. And next time I will cover that part and we can uh, discuss the trial and how it was handled, mishandled, yada, yada. So what did you think so far? I think that was really good. I'm, I like how we've touched all the bases so far. So far. And like I said, it's it's seeming to me like it's biased towards Scott's it's on Scott's side, but at the same time, it's kind of trying to undo all of the uh, assumptions that were made initially. Mm-hmm. So I'm not mad at it. I mean, I know why people would be mad at it because they hate his guts and think he did it. Right. I can't say yet if I think he did it or not. There are more sketchy things that he did um, that will uh, come into play later and we'll discuss what actually happened. Cause you know, he, went on the run that kind of thing but he didn't go on the run and uh next time we're going to talk about what what he was actually doing uh looking like i don't know what with his blonde hair goatee and ten thousand dollars in cash or whatever near the border can you imagine case of bad luck um all right well yeah that'll cover uh part one for the lacey peterson scott peterson a case of December 2002. Uh, I was looking to do more Christmas-based um, crimes and investigations, so mm-hmm. it started with this one. Uh, Ew. Okay, so um, anything else before we sign off? Um, not that I'm aware of. can leave everybody uh, with this impression of part one so we can start speculating on how the timelines worked and everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, thanks guys. Um, Thanks for listening. This was part one of the Lacey Peterson case. We will touch back uh, next week with part two and yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure you give us a follow on Instagram, on Twitter, leave us a review on Apple podcasts, tell your friends. Uh, We slowed down for a little bit there, but we've got plenty of content to fill out the rest of the year and uh, for the coming year. So thanks guys. So, did we give you the creeps?